Okay, so let's get started. Why did you do nothing to stop the assassination of James Garfield? I need one good close friend. How do you feel about BFFs? How much time do you spend skipping when nobody's looking? Convince me on the concept of speed limits. So from like one to needy, where do you fall? Well, uh, that concludes our interview. Thank you for coming, thank you for your time. Do you have any questions for us? Well, I'm very thankful to have all of you with us today at all of our life churches and those of you at our partnering network churches all over the world. We're also glad to have you joining us on the other side of computers at countries all over the world in our church online family. Today, we're in the second week of a four-week message series called Friending. If you missed last week, we talked about really a biblical foundation and understanding of what kind of friends that we need to be to others. Let me tell you, next week is what I believe um, the most important message that addresses what I believe is the most important relational need in our society today. I'm calling next week's message, One Community Away. Week four is entitled Unfriending because it is absolutely impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Today's title is One Friend Away. Let us revisit our key thought as we dive in. This is a thought that's leading us through the whole four-week series. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Let's all say that aloud, all of our different churches, everybody together. Show me your friends, and I will show you your what? I will show you your future. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, your friends will always determine the quality and direction of your life. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Solomon, thousands of years ago, the wisest man who ever lived in Proverbs 13, 20, he said this, he said, walk with the wise and what will you become? Help me out. He said, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools does what? They suffer harm. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. Now, last week we built the foundation and I got more interesting response to last week's message than I have in a really long time. The, the first thing that I heard most often was that you all really liked my purple shirt. So I just wanna say thank you, I'm glad you liked my shirt. I didn't pick it out, I don't pick out any clothes because I'm colorblind. You say, you don't pick out your own clothes? The answer is no, I do not. I used to, and if you wanna see why I don't, just watch the old videos and you'll say, oh. It's a good thing you've got help. Okay, so anyway, thank you for liking my shirt. Uh, then I heard uh, again and again different people talking about uh, social media and how it's impacting their relationships. In fact, there was uh, one person who told me that they couldn't believe that every night they go actually and check social media right before they go to bed, and it's the first thing they do when they get up. So I ask other people, and person after person said, I'm so obsessed with it, that's what I do. One guy even said, I check it in the middle of the night. I get up to check Facebook every single night in the middle of the night, because I don't want to miss anything. I get up for another reason in the middle of the night, but that's because I drank a lot during the day, and anyway, that's what he does. Uh, another person said this, they, they said, you talked about how um, people are afraid to talk on the telephone now. It's a new and growing phobia. And the reason is because People don't feel like they're in control of the direction of the conversation. When you text, 
You're in control. You can deal with it later or craft what you want to say, but in a conversation, it could go anywhere. And so I had a person, and then by the end of the week, probably eight different people tell me, I didn't realize when my cell phone rings, I actually let it go to voicemail, and then I text, what's up? What do you want? And I said, I didn't realize just uh, that I actually do that. Then the one that was most disheartening to me, I saw a gal in the gym. She was probably a freshman or sophomore in college, and she said, Craig, I have over 700 Facebook friends, but when you asked me to write down my closest friends, she said, I couldn't put down a single name of a close friend. Over 700 Facebook friends. And she said, but I don't have a single person that I would consider to be a very close friend. And so many of us would say, we're so busy, and yet we're trying to be connected in, in the social media world, which does have some good opportunities to make things better. But intuitively, many of us are longing for something more. There's a, a gnawing sense on the inside that something's not quite right. And deep down, we believe there must be something more relationally than what we're actually experiencing. In fact, I would argue that the reason is because many of us are impoverished in a way that we don't even recognize. In fact, sociologists talk about three different types of poverty. There's material poverty, and we all know what that is. There's a second type, which is known as spiritual poverty. You may have all the physical wealth in the world and yet spiritually be completely bankrupt with no real spiritual hope in life. There's material poverty, there's spiritual poverty, but the type of poverty that we may most be impacted by and not even recognize is what sociologists call relational poverty. We can have people all around. We can be very connected via social media and yet inwardly longing for more intimacy and more depth of community. In fact, what's really interesting, if you've never been to a third world country on a mission trip to serve the poor, you really, really should. Because not only will you get the blessing of giving to them, but chances are they will actually give more to you when you go there to serve them. And here's what's going to happen, I promise you, I guarantee it. You'll go in and you'll be just like devastated at what they don't have. How do they live with no running water and no toilet and no electricity? And you'll be devastated. By day three or four, you're going to find something on the inside going, why am I kind of jealous of these people? They have nothing, and yet they have such spiritual intimacy with God. And then you look at them, and because they have nothing materially, they are forced to depend on one another in this deep and very rich community. And families mean something. And friendships mean something. And you come back to our wealthy lifestyle and you think, I've got so much, but I'm missing something that they have I don't. And what we have is we are deeply impacted, many of us, by relational poverty. And so we look at it and we think, something's wrong. Something's missing. And I would say, maybe it's not something that's missing, but instead it's someone that is missing. 
And that brings our key thought for today, if you're taking notes, and that is this. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And I mean this with all of my heart. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. You can see it again and again in our lives. You can see it again and again in the lives of people in Scripture. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, I want to show you very clearly how the Apostle Paul hit the whole trajectory of his life was changed by one friendship. Let's look at verse 26 of Acts 9. It says, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was really a disciple. What does this mean? Well, before Paul was the apostle Paul, he was Saul, and he was known as the chief persecutor of Christians. He not only persecuted Christians, but he killed them. And so now he's a Christian. He's like, hey, I want to preach. And all the Christians are like, I don't trust you. Last week you were killing us. I don't want you to come to my life group, okay? And, and that's kind of where they were. Verse 27 says this, but Barnabas, his friend, took him and brought him to the apostles. And we're going to watch as Barnabas puts his own credibility on the line to vouch for, for Saul. Barnabas took him and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So, the Bible says, Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. And what was he doing? Say, say it aloud. He was speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. What happened? What happened? Don't miss it. God used one person, Barnabas, to change the course of Paul's destiny. Now, the guy wrote over half of our New Testament and impacted literally millions and millions and millions of people, and the course of history was changed because God used one friend to change the course of his destiny. And the same is true for every single one of you. You literally may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And don't just look for a friend who's just like you. If you're 16, I'm looking for a 16 or 17-year-old friend, or if I'm 20-ish and single, I'm looking for that. Or if I'm married in my 50s, looking for someone there. No, God loves to use different generations with different experiences to impact one another. In fact, for me, one of my best friends is way older than I am. In fact, I was 29 when I met Lyle Schaller, who was 75 at the time. Lyle uh, is a famous, well-known church growth expert and consultant. And we were snowed in an airport together, and I was like thanking God for this snowstorm because I got to pick Lyle's brain while we were waiting on a flight. And I was asking him questions, and he's 75, I'm 29. I said, Lyle, our, our church is, we're in three services, and I want to go to four. But everyone tells me it's impossible to do four services at church because back then, to our knowledge, nobody even in America was doing four services. The age of 75, Lyle, Lyle looked at me and he said, Craig, the problem with you young guys is you all think too small. He said, you shouldn't be thinking four services. You should be thinking seven services at your first location and then seven at your second, seven at your third, seven at your fourth, seven at your fifth. And I was like, 
What's the old man smoking? What's he talking about? This is crazy. I mean, I woke up the next day with a wisdom hangover. I mean, I, 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 my mind couldn't even comprehend what he was saying. But guess what that did? That planted a seed in my spirit that years later came to life. And don't miss this. God used that one friendship and that one conversation to transform the course of my destiny and literally help lead the way for how church can be done in a new way to impact tens of thousands of people around the world. And God used a 75-year-old man to do this. And Lyle was so great. He said, hey, man, I, I want to help you anytime. This is a friendship deal. It's not professional. There's no money that's going to change hands. And he, is, he has mentored me through all the years. So I call him several times a year. I say, hey, Lyle, what's up? Just checking to see if you're still alive. Because he's in his 90s now. And then I say, Lyle, I want to thank God for you. Well, we've got several of our live churches now. He said seven services. We've got several that have eight. And so I call and say, hey, Lyle, i got to tell you. Remember you said seven? We've got eight. And he said, oh, my goodness, I've got to sit down. You have no idea how big this is for the king. I said, Lyle, the problem with you old guys is you all think too small. <laughs> and that was a friendship that changed the course of my destiny. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And what I want to do in the rest of our time together is show you three different types of friendship that every person needs. And I bet almost every one of you will see at least one of these types of friendships that are missing from those that God would want to have in your life. We're gonna look at King David from the Old Testament and look at Samuel, Jonathan, and Nathan, three friends that helped him become who God wanted him to be. The first we're gonna look at is Samuel, if you're taking notes, we all need a friend who makes you better. Every single one of us, we need those friends who make us better. Let me give you the context. Um, God had rejected Saul as king. Now, this is a different Saul than we just talked about. This is the Old Testament king. God rejected Saul, took his spirit off of him, and called a prophet named Samuel to go and anoint the next king. Samuel went to the house of Jesse and looked at the oldest son who was handsome and strong and tall and thought, surely this is the one that God has chosen. And God said, nope. And so he looked at the next oldest son and said, surely this is him. And God said, nope. And son after son, he goes through the list and he's like, what's up, God? And God said, the problem is you look at the things that people look at. They look at the outside of a person, but I look at his heart. And God saw something in the runt of the family, little young David who was out tending sheep that no one else saw, put it on Samuel's heart, and this is what the Lord said, 1 Samuel 16, verse 12, rise and anoint him. I've chosen David. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. What's interesting to me is there was not a single person who saw in David what God allowed Samuel to see in him. And he looked at one, David and said, God can do more through you than you could ever 
imagine and helped him get better in a way that would change the course of his destiny. Now, here's the thing. Most of us, who are our friends? Who do we hang out with? Chances are they just kind of happen accidentally. It's the guys from the gym, our buddies from the office. It's the other moms that have kids on the same soccer team that we have kids. It's the person that sits next to us in our English lit class. It's just by accident. I want to ask you, do they make you better? Because you could be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. I'll give you a real small example. Um, some of my friends say, Craig, you look like you're trimming down and you're getting in better shape. Tell me about your workouts. I'm like, it's not my workouts. I met a friend who was ripped, shredded, and cut. I said, tell me, how do you do that? And he taught me in a way something that I'd heard before, but I never heard this way. He said, everything we do is spiritual. I want to take care of my car as unto the Lord. I want to take care of my house as unto the Lord. He said, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and one of the most spiritual things I can do is take care of my body in a way that would honor God. And suddenly, I wasn't thinking health, I was thinking spiritual. He said, tell me how to do this. He said, well, you want to put only the best in your body. And so he taught me how to eat. I thought I ate well before. I did not, okay? And he taught me to eat clean, and suddenly, like, the pounds are falling off, and Amy's going, you're in your mid-40s, but come on over here, big boy. And <laughs> things are going well. And so, so, so I've made improvements, not on my own, but I have more strength and more energy because God used someone to make me better. I want to ask you, do you have someone in your life who helps make you better at the things that matter most? Do you have friends that help make your marriage better? If you're hanging around a bunch of people with bad marriages, they're not going to make your marriage better. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you're hanging around people who eat donuts for a hobby, chances are you're not going to get in better shape. If you want to be a better leader, if you want to be better with finance, you want to hang around some people who will make you better. And at the same time, God wants to use you to help make others better as well. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, say it with me, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need someone who makes us better. David also had a friend named Jonathan, and we all need a friend who helps you find spiritual strength. Every single one of you who follow Christ you need others who help you find spiritual strength in the Lord. Let me fast forward in David's story. He's anointed to be the next king. He becomes a war hero. And all the women start to notice him. Wow, he's kind of cute. Didn't see him before. And he, they start singing songs about him. They sing, Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. And Saul's like, you know what? That makes me mad. And he got really jealous. He said, I got to kill this guy. I don't like him. He's coming from my throne. He's, he's getting all the attention. And so the king decided to try to kill David. We pick up the story in, in verse 15 and 16 of 1 Samuel 23. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. It's a bad day. 
Verse 16, watch what happens. And Saul's son, his very own son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, and what did he do? Everybody say it aloud. What did he do? He helped him find strength in God. Say that again. What did he do? Everybody together. He what? He helped him find strength in God. Every single one of you, you need those friends who help you find spiritual strength. Because I don't care how mature you are, you will get tempted and you will get down. And when everyone else walks out, you need a friend that walks in and says, I'm with you. I'm not just going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to strengthen you in the things of the Lord. And I'm so thankful for an arsenal of friends who surround me and help me find strength in the Lord. In fact, it wasn't too long ago, I just had one of those unreasonably bad days. I don't know if you ever have these. It's like everything's fine, but suddenly nothing's fine. And I was physically just depleted from working too much, and uh, I felt like I wasn't making a difference. I preached my brains out, and people just kind of like, you know, and I I give it all I've got, and it's just, it just didn't seem to be making a difference. And I was taking some shots from different groups of people, and I just was discouraged. And so I said to a close friend, I said, I don't know if it's worth it. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I, I, don't, I, just, I don't know if what I do is really making a difference. And my friend said, I can see why you feel that way. And then he shifted gears, and he brought the preach and put it on me. He said, number one, the reason you're being attacked is because you're doing something right. Satan doesn't want that, and you need to be blessed because to be persecuted for the sake of Christ is actually a great blessing. And number two, he said, you don't think you're making a difference? You're standing in my presence telling me that? He said, I would not be married today if it wasn't for you. He said, my son would not be serving the Lord if it wasn't for you. My daughter wouldn't be a leader at Switch if it wasn't for you. Two guys that I work with, one would still be on porn if it wasn't for you. The other guy would never be in church if it wasn't for you. And the waiter last night that I tried to invite to church said, oh, I already go to that church, and I would be dead if it wasn't for Pastor Chris. And so the next time you start feeling sorry for yourself, just remember God is using you. I was like, darn straight he is. Who has time to whine? Let's go change the world. And, and what happened is, I mean, in a moment of time, he, he, he built me up. And then he kept on going. And he started preaching to me scripture. He said, you remember when you're down. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God wants to do more through you than you can ask Think or imagine what's happening now is just the beginning. So you encourage yourself in the Lord. And then he prayed for me, and and God built my strength. Do you have that? I'm not talking about, well, yeah, I'm a a Christian. Yeah, I listened to the Christian song one time. You know, I got a cross chain somewhere from the 80s. You know, and I'm not talking about that. Okay, I'm talking about someone who wakes up in the middle of the night with you on their heart and calls you the next day and says, I had you on my heart, so I prayed for you for about an hour and a half or so, and God gave me this scripture. I don't know what it means, but I want to give it to you, and I'm here for you no matter what, and no matter what happens, you're not going down because we're in this together. Do you have those people who help you find spiritual strength? Because if you don't, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And not only do you want those who do that for you But, oh, don't rob yourself of the blessing of doing that for others. That when you lift up others, not just a friend who has fun with their friends, but helps them get 
better at the things that matter most and helps them find spiritual strength in the things of God. If you ever want to get excited anywhere in this message, it's totally fine with me because I think this is really helpful and good stuff, and I love it when you're in there with me. We're going to look for those friends that help us get better and find spiritual strength. And then finally, there's Nathan in the life of David, the third type, if you're taking notes. We need a friend who will tell us the truth. You all need that friend who will tell you the truth. And here's what happened to David. If you know, he was a man after God's own heart and God was blessing him. And then he took his eye off the Lord and he put his eye on Bathsheba. And he committed adultery, broke the heart of God and put the whole kingdom really at risk with this particular sin. And he didn't see the gravity of what he did. And God sent a man, Nathan, to go and tell him the truth. And Nathan sat him down and said, David, let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was a really wealthy guy that had sheep and cattle more than you could count. And there was a really poor guy, dirt poor, who had one little lamb. This lamb was like a pet to him. They did life together. And one day, a traveler came and was hungry. And so the wealthy guy didn't use one of his own but took the poor guy's only lamb and slaughtered it to give to the traveler. And David's like, oh, that's the worst thing ever. This guy, he should be put down for that. That's the worst thing ever. And Nathan looked at David, and in the Hebrew language, he said, ataish. Everybody say, ataish. Ataish. He said, you are the man. That's what he said. You're the man. You did it. And he loved him enough to tell him the truth. And suddenly, David saw what he hadn't seen before, and he was brokenhearted before God. You go read Psalm 51 sometime and watch as David repents. That's the prayer that he prayed right after Nathan confronted him and told him the truth. And I would ask you this. When is the last time you've had a friend who loved you enough to tell you, don't go there, that's stupid, what you're doing is not going to work, you're going to hurt your marriage. You're going to hurt your testimony. You're going to hurt your relationship with God. Hey, I see something in you that you don't see. You need to go for it. You need to have faith. You need to try. You need to apply for this. Someone will tell you the truth. I'm so thankful for those who will do this for me. In fact, um, for years, I had people kind of just gently say, hey, Craig, you're not real good one-on-one -on -one with people. Whenever you're one-on-one, -on -one, and I'd be like, who are you and why am I listening to you? Of course I'm good with people. I'm, I'm great with people. I'm friendly. I'm nice, I'm friendly. And they say this over and over again. Well, finally, my life group just said, they, they came and kind of, it's like a confrontation. They said, Craig, we really love you. We want to help you. We know you're not doing this on purpose, but we want to show you what you do in the lobby, okay? You're talking to someone in the lobby and they're in front of you and you stand like this. Like, yeah, what's wrong with that? They said, why are you doing that? I said, because I'm trying to tell them that I can't stay here forever because there are other people I got to talk to. You can laugh if you want to, I didn't know. They're like. That's rude, okay? Sometimes when you're talking to people, you kind of like you're looking around. I said, yeah. They said, why do you do that? Because I'm trying to see how many other people I need to talk to, okay? They're like, that's rude again. And in order for me to do what I do with integrity, I cannot just preach in front of the crowds, but I must show the love of God effectively one-on-one, -on -one, okay? And they helped me to do this, and now, I feel like some of the most important things I'll do all week long is when I meet someone 
who's a part of our church, and I want to give them the very best of my attention and God's love. And now I have become better because someone loved me enough to tell the truth. Do you have that? Okay. If you don't, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And let me just, if you'll give me permission to be a little dramatic for a moment, I want to say this. Some of you, you will never become who God wants you to become because you are relationally impoverished, okay? If you continue with one or two close friends, realize that is not what God intended for you. He wants us to have six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 15 communities of people who do life together, who, who pour into one another, who serve one another, who encourage one another, who bless one another, who give to one another, who exhort one another. And you may be a few friends away from changing the course of your destiny. You show me your friends, and I promise you, I can show you your future. For some of you, when I look at your friends, your future is new addictions that you do not have. Some of you, your future, you are heading toward a divorce that your friends are contributing to. Some of you, if I can just be so dramatic to say, your future could be jail because of your friends. Now, a lot of you are going, okay, okay, you had me, now you're getting a little dramatic there, Pastor Craig. Dial it back. Fair enough. For the majority of you, your friends aren't going to lead you to jail, but let me tell you what they are going to do. They're going to lead you to more of the same. And this isn't everybody, but for a lot of you, what is more of the same? It's a lukewarm, half-hearted commitment to God. It's a self-centered life that's all about you and accumulating things that will never satisfy. It's when the highlight of your life is going to a football game or a three-day weekend that you should know something is wrong but you don't know there's anything wrong because that's all you see around you. But I came to tell someone, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. You may be one friend away from having the marriage that you've always wanted to have. You may be one friend away from becoming the parent that you know you could always be to impart spiritual life to generations to come for children who would fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with everything in them. You may be one friend away from being more generous than you've ever been, both with your finances and with your time. You may be one friend away from overcoming the addictions that have been in your family for years. You may be one friend away from learning how to better care for your temple of the Holy Spirit and add 10 years to the end of your life so you can watch your grandkids grow up. You may be one friend away from tapping into the power of what God is doing in this church and not just watching and consuming, but using your God-given gifts to serve someone else for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. You may be one friend away from waking up with divine purpose and living for a higher calling. And there are those of you who you may be one friend away from meeting the risen Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will become a friend that sticks closer than a brother and will introduce you to a holy God who will simultaneously be the king of kings and be a friend that you never dreamed possible. You could be one friend away. You show me your friends, and I promise you, I'll show you your future. So what do you need to do to have those kind of friends? Well, you do what your mama told you. To have that kind of friend, you got to be that kind of friend. So what are you going to do? You're going to help others get better. And you're going to help them find strength. And you're going to love them enough to tell them the truth. And iron's going to sharpen iron. And you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. And your life is going to count. Because if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But a companion of fools, don't go there because it'll hurt you and it'll hurt you bad. Father, thank you so much for your word and your spirit and your presence. We pray that you, God, would stir us to become the types of friends that, that others need. And God, that we would benefit from those that you would place in our lives. As you pray at all of our different churches today, a lot of you, if you take a step back and you're just really honest, intuitively, deep down, you'd say, something's not working. We're too busy, going too hard. One or two close friends is certainly not what God intended. He wants something better. Maybe for you, you look at your life and say, I don't have anyone making me better at the things that matter most. Some of you would say, there's really, I may have some people that call themselves Christians, but no one who's helping me find spiritual strength. Some of you would say, I can't remember the last time someone told me an important truth, a hard truth that really changed the direction of my life. You may be one friend away. At all of our churches, those of you who would say, if God has someone out there for me like that, or a group of people, I want the eyes to see and the heart to pursue it. My prayer is that every single one of you would have that prayer. God, if you have something else for me that you want, a new relationship, a group of relationships, give me the eyes to see and the heart to be faithful to it. Would you lift up your hands if that's your prayer today? All of our different churches, all of our different churches. God, thank you for those who um, really want all that you want for them. I pray, God, you would give us eyes to see those potential friendships that could change our lives. And God, that you may give us the honor of impacting other lives as well. God, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts with the deep truths of your word. God, that we would be restless until we pursue and show your love to those that you want us to know and love. God, give us a divine desire for deeper community that we could truly be your body, so full of love that the rest of the world looks on and says, I want what they have. God, give us the right friendships that we could serve you and live the right life for your glory. As you keep praying today at all of our different locations, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And this one friend may be a friend that you never thought possible. I want you to think about Jesus, who was the son of God, who was without sin, who lived the perfect life, and died the most horrible death, becoming sin for us on the cross and being raised on the third day so that anyone who calls on his name would be transformed and saved. This Jesus, the Son of God, do you know what he was known as? He was called 
a friend of sinners. He hung around the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, and he loved them and never left them there. When you call on his name, God will not only forgive you of everything you've ever done, but he will make you brand new, and at the very same moment, he becomes your savior, he becomes your king, he also becomes your friend that sticks closer than a brother. At all of our churches, there are those of you, you're one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. God brought you here because it's time for you to give your whole life to the one who gave his whole life for you. You turn from your sin, you turn toward Jesus, and you ask him to be first in your life. You give your life to him. At all of our churches, those of you who would say, that's me, that's why I'm here, I know it. Lift your hands high right now. Lift them up high all over the place. Lift them up and leave them up right back over there. God bless you. And right over here, one, two, three, all, all this whole almost row back here as well. God bless you guys up here. Let me just, let me just meet you eye to eye right back here in this section. Others of you, just lift up your hands and let me find you and, and meet you right back over here in this far section back here as well. Church Online, you click right below me here in this middle section back here toward the back, right up here closer to me. God bless you. Others today who say that's my prayer too. I need his grace. I need his salvation. Would you pray, everybody, with those around you, pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me, and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you go crazy? Worship God big, celebrate loud, welcome those born into God's family.